Welcome to Hackstack, the show that gives you all the tips, tricks and advice you need to increase your productivity, lower your stress level and find ultimate purpose in life. All done one simple step at a time. And now, here is your host, Coz. All right, everyone. Welcome to episode number two of Hackstack. In the golf game of life, are you starting to grip your golf club correctly? And remember, we're not even swinging at the golf ball yet. You know, we're still working on our grip and our stance. And if what I just said made absolutely no sense, you need to do yourself a favor and go back and listen to episode one, since each of these episodes are designed to build and stack off each other, um, sort of like the building blocks of success. All right. So how did you guys do on your homework assignment? How did the self-evaluation go on the five F's? Finances, fitness, family, friends, and faith. Did you email or communicate to your success buddy in any way, shape, or form? Well, all right, maybe you guys didn't, but that's okay. I'm going to give you an extension on your homework because uh, I think it's a really critical uh, piece of, uh, it's, a, it's a really critical exercise to do. Let's just put it that way. Uh, so right now we're still getting familiar with the fundamentals of hack stack and self-evaluation is a big part of that because it's really hard to figure out where you're going if you don't even know where you're starting from. Right? To borrow a quote from Socrates, he said, the unexamined life is not worth living. And yes, that is a very philosophical statement. And like I mentioned in my first uh, episode one, philosophies is one of my hobby. All right? And I'll let you in on a little secret. You ready? You are a philosopher too. Yep, that's right. Anytime you make a statement like, I want to be better at this, I'm good at this or bad at that. I can't do this. I can't do that. Uh, anytime you see a story on the news about some gross injustice and you think to yourself, that's terrible, or you see some politician shooting off at the mouth, uh, making crazy statements that you disagree with, um, all of those things, that's philosophy. So here's a quick definition of philosophy. The most basic beliefs, concepts, and attitudes of an individual or group. So to further illustrate this, let me uh, tell you a few other things that you are that you may not necessarily be aware of. You are a dietitian. You are an athlete. And you're a money manager. Now you say, wait, come on. I'm all those things? What you talking about? Yes, it's true. You are all those things. Let me explain. Um, who tells you what to eat? And who actually does the eating of the food? Does anyone have a gun to your head forcing you to eat the food? Well, sounds like you're a dietitian, right? How many push-ups can you do? How many miles can you run? Who plans your exercise program? Well, I don't know. I'm going to take a wild guess and say that that's you. And here's the doozy. Who handles your money and who makes those decisions with your money? When you buy something... You are spending it and, wait for it, you're managing your money, right? Hmm. Sounds like you may be a money manager too. Now look, you may be a bad dietitian and you may be a very bad athlete and you may be an extremely horrible money manager, but make no mistake about it, you are all three of those titles rolled up into one. And yes, you're a philosopher too. The interesting thing though is on those other areas... You can actually hire out and get some help, right? You can hire someone to cook and plan your meals. Um, 
You can hire someone to be a personal trainer and plan your workouts. True, you still have to do the actual working out, uh, but you can get people in place that can help you succeed there. Um, money manager, you can actually hire some pretty competent money managers that can do a lot of great things with your money. But the one thing you can't do, you can't outsource your thinking. Um, you can get advice, sure, but no one can do your thinking for you. That's why it's so critical to get your philosophy correct. So you're a philosopher? Yes. 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 All right. So right now you may not be a really good philosopher, but we're going to start to change that, right? We're going to right the ship. Uh, we're going to get the train back on the tracks, so to speak. So that's why the number one hack is so important, right? If you remember it from episode number one, it's to get your thinking and your personal philosophy headed it in the right direction, right? So just to remind you, foundational hack number one was to listen to as much audio as you can while doing the things you're already doing anyway, like driving your car, cleaning the house, mowing the lawn. Um, in the case of mowing the lawn, you may have to buy some noise-canceling headphones or get somewhat creative. Here's another hack for you. Just go to the local Home Depot or Lowe's. You can get some construction-grade um, ear covering headphones for like 10 bucks. Uh, and you can put those over your normal cheap $3 earbuds and you'll be able to drown out the noise of the lawnmower and still listen to your favorite podcast or audiobook. All right. So turn that idle time into life changing ideas, AKA philosophy. All right. So right now I'm going to give you a chance to do that. I'm going to give you a small dose of all natural, no GMO, no MSG, no gluten, 100% organic mental food for thought. And food is a great analogy if you think about it, right? Is eating one healthy, nutritious meal good enough? Is that all a person needs? No, you need to keep feeding your body meal after meal and day after day and healthy, nourishing meals to keep it properly fueled. And if you think about it, the mind is really no different. If the only thing you're doing is feeding yourself uh, the mental French fries of reality TV day after day, uh, week after week, month after month, of course, your mind is going to become a little more feeble, more prone to self-doubt, self-limiting beliefs and negative thoughts we talked about in episode one. But if you keep up a steady, consistent mental diet of encouraging and thought-provoking audio material you will see that your attitude will, will start to change. It may be slow at first, but you'll see it start to change and your stress level will start to go down, especially uh, in some of the techniques that you're going to get in the following podcast as well coming up here. Um, but attitude and low stress level, those are two key ingredients to accomplishing things that you never thought were possible, right? It's easier to accomplish uh, a lot of the things that you're going to want to accomplish in your life that uh, maybe you haven't thought about in a while, if you're being honest with you, you know, you've sort of given up, but we're, we're going to try our best to change that here. And just one more unique thing about audio, uh, it can communicate things with emotion and feeling and power that sometimes just isn't possible uh, with the written word. Um, you don't you don't believe me uh, or you want further proof? Try reading the I have a dream speech. Just read it. Then compare and contrast that by listening to those same exact words being spoken by the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. right in August of 1963 at the Lincoln Memorial in Washington DC, right? He delivered a very powerful speech that literally changed the course of this country. 
All right, so there's something to be sp uh, said for the spoken word. So that's something I'm going to try and do at least a little every episode in this podcast, namely give you some healthy mental food for thought uh, as we need it to keep our minds as nourished and healthy as possible, right? So right now, I'm going to play for you the best motivational speech ever, like literally, that's what it's called on YouTube. It was a speech given uh, in front of what looks to be uh, college freshmen, maybe halfway through through the year. Um, you know, you don't know for sure, but but maybe some of them. This is their, you know, the the first one in their family to go to school. Um, they're really discouraged. They're they're not doing as well as they they would have liked. Um, you know, and, and frankly, it seems like some of these people are these kids are just ready to give up. So, so that's when, um, someone known as the hip hop preacher, Eric Thomas came and gave them a little pep talk, you know, and, and actually pep talk may be a little light. Um, it's probably more like a kick in the pants. And fortunately for us, it was captured on someone's phone. Uh, and then it proceeded to go viral. So now I'm going to play the audio for you. Uh, I highly recommend this for any young person you may know. Um, and even if it's been like a really, really long time since you've been in school, that's okay too. Cause I promise you will get something out of this as well. Check it out. So if you want to make six figures, you can't just be talking about, you want to make six figures. You hear what I'm saying to you tonight? If you do the three things I tell you to do tonight, I guarantee you, whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. You will be able to accomplish whatever you want to academically, financially, relationally, whatever. So three things. All right, now I'm going to tell you the story. I got to get out of here. And the story is about, you guys have probably heard about this before. It was, a, it was a young man who, you know, he wanted to make a lot of money. And so he went to this guru, right? And he told the guru, you know, I want to be on the same level you are. And so the guru said, if you want to be on the same level I'm on, I'll meet you tomorrow at the beach at 4 a.m. He liked the beach. I said, I want to make money. I don't want to swim. Guru said, if you want to make money, I'll meet you tomorrow. 4 a.m. So the young man got there at 4 a.m. He all ready to rock and roll, got on the suit. He should have wore shorts. The old man grabs his hand and said, how bad do you want to be successful? He said, real bad. He said, walk on out in the water. So he walks out into the water. Watch this. When he walks out into the water, it goes waist deep. So he's like, this guy crazy. I'm Adrian, he's like, I want to make money. He got me out here swimming. I didn't ask to be a lifeguard. I want to make money. He got me in. So he said, come out a little further. Walked out a little further. Then he had it right around this area, the shoulder area. So this old man, crazy. He's making money, but he's crazy. He said, come on out a little further. He came out a little further. It was right at his mouth. My man, like, I'm about to go back in here. This guy is mine. So the old man said, I thought you said you wanted to be successful. He said, I do. He said, walk a little further. He came, dropped his head in, held him down, hold him down. My man getting scratching, holding him down. I got you. I know you brushed it out, but I got you. He had him held down. I need you for an illustration. He had him held down just before my man was about to pass out. He raised him up. He said, I got a question for you. Somebody answer the question for me. He said, when you were underwater, what did you want to do? Lee, I'm looking for a different word, though, than lip. What's that word? He said, I wanted to breathe. He told the guy, he said, when you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. I don't know how many of y'all got asthma in here today, but if you ever had an asthma attack before, you short of breath, 
SOB, shortness of breath, you wheezing. The only thing you're trying to do is get some air. You don't care about no basketball game. You don't care what's on TV. You don't care about nobody calling you. You don't care about a party. The only thing you care about when you're trying to breathe is to get some fresh air. That's it. And when you get to the point where all you want to do is be successful, as bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. And I'm here to tell you, number one, that most of you say you want to be successful, but you don't want it bad. You just kind of want it. You don't want it badder than you want to party. You don't want it as much as you want to be cool. You, most of you don't want success as much as you want to sleep. Some of you love sleep more than you love success. And I'm here to tell you today, if you're going to be successful, you've got to be willing to give up sleep. You've got to be willing to work off for three hours of sleep, two hours. If you really want to be successful, some days you're going to have to stay up three days in a row. Because if you go to sleep, you might miss the opportunity to be successful. That's how bad you got to want it. You got to go days without, listen to me, you got to want to be successful so bad that you forget to eat. Beyonce said once she was on the set doing her thing, three days had gone by, she forgot she didn't eat. Because she was engaged. I'll never forget uh, when 50 Cent was doing his movie, I did a little research on 50, and 50 said that when he wasn't doing the movie, he was doing the soundtrack. And they said, when do you sleep, 50? Sleep, he said, sleep. Sleep is for those people who are broke. I don't sleep. He said, I got an opportunity to make a dream become a reality. Football players, how many football players? I got anybody like football in here? Raise your hand. Anybody like football? Emmitt Smith. I used to be a Cowboy fan before they did my boy Tom Landry wrong. I used to be a Cowboy fan. And watch this, there was a commercial. Emmitt Smith had won his first Super Bowl, and he had this commercial when he was lifting weights. I don't know if you saw the commercial when he was lifting, and he said, he said Emmitt said, you know what? Ah, I won the Super Bowl, so I can rest now. He, had, he was doing his bench press. So he said, I won the Super Bowl, so I can rest now. So he throws up about 325, boom. And he rests for about two seconds. Then he boom, boom, boom. You see that? He'd already won a Super Bowl. He said, I think I'm going to take a rest. And he rests for how long? One second. Most of you won't be successful because when you're studying and you get tired, you quit. And I'm here to tell you today, if you got a, somebody came in my office the other day crying, I said, look, don't cry to give up. Cry to keep going. Don't cry to quit. You already in pain. You already hurt. Get a reward from it. Don't go to sleep. Until you succeed. Listen to me. I'm here to tell you today that you can come here. You can jump up. You can do flips. You can be excited when we give away money. But listen to me. You'll never be successful until I don't have to give you a dime to do what you do. You won't be successful until you say, I don't need that money. Because I got it in here. So listen to me. Emmett Smith said this at the end of the commercial. Emmett Smith said, all men are created equal. Some work harder in preseason. I'm going to say it again because you might have missed it. All men are created equal. Some work harder in preseason. So that means that there are some people who are going to see the professor, going to see the TA. And even when the professor says, I don't meet with you, my TA meets with you, you say, I don't want to talk to your TA. That's what it is. I don't pay the TA. That's right. I pay you to teach me. So you're going to have to find some time to meet me. If I got to meet you at the mall, if I got to meet you at your house, you are going to see me. 
Listen to me. All men are created equal. Some work hard in preseason. When I went to college, guys were way smarter than me. 4.0s, 3.0s. They went to the Ivy League high schools, came to Oakwood from these great high schools. Most of them are not doing what I'm doing. Why? Because it's not about where you come from. It's about heart. You come to a place where, you know, being smart ain't enough. You got to have heart. That's number one. Watch number two. Number two, catch number two. I wrote it down. I wanted to make sure you got it. It says to be, watch this, watch this. We're talking about sacrifice now. The important thing is this. You're writing while I'm saying it because I only have about three more minutes. Listen to me. The most important thing is this, to be able at any moment to sacrifice what you are for what you will become. That's the number two thing. You got to catch that one. To be able to, listen to me, at any moment, some of you, you can make sacrifices when Monday Night Football is not on. You can make a sacrifice. But when the game come on, for some reason, you just attach to it. For some of you, when your favorite show come on, you, you, can be, you can make sacrifices on Sunday when there ain't nothing going on. But when your favorite show comes on Monday, bam, some of you, you focus into the phone ring, and then you're like, I got to answer it. If I don't answer the phone, I'm going to die. I'm saying to you today that there are some of you, if you give up your cell phone, you would be successful. But your cell phone is more important to you than your success. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to hurt somebody. I'm going to hurt somebody. Some of you need to give up your cell phone because the time you spend on your cell phone could be used for your success. The time you could be using to be successful, you're using it on the cell. And the cell phone is not bringing you nothing but a bill. And somebody has told you you couldn't live without it. I'm talking about going deep now, giving up stuff. Watch what it says. To be able at any moment to sacrifice what we are for what we could be. I don't do well in math. You're right. You ain't never studied. I'm not good in writing because you have never written before. But I dare you to fail in writing for a whole year to see if you can get to the end. I dare you to fail. I dare you to take that same class over and over again. I dare you to stop dropping classes like you soft. Always want to give up. I'm dropping. Why are you dropping? I'm so grateful that the slaves didn't drop and quit. Say, I'm just going to stop. I'm a slave. I'm just going to be a slave. I'm going to quit. Listen to me. The slaves said, we will live because one day so we So today, be although we're slaves, we're going to act like we're free. And one day, our children will be free. If the slaves would have just said, we quit, we give up, we would have died in the middle passage. But some slaves said, I don't care what we go through. We're going to survive this. 400 years of slavery. We're going to get through this. And you can't get through an 1825. You can't get through a writing class and you got tutor after tutor, resource after resource. The problem is you ain't never felt no pain before. You're soft. It's a soft generation. You quit on everything. Our people did not quit. Harriet Tubman not only made it, she went back and got some more. She said, you know what, I made it, but I'm, I'm going to walk all, listen to me, shh, not ride the bus. I'm going to walk all the way back down to the south to get some more. And you quitting on 1825? Now watch this, you quit after you, listen to me, you get a sleeping bag and you wait for him. You wait for the first WRA instructor to come in and you come out your sleeping bag, I need help. You quit after you do that. You quit after you had, listen to me, a, a WRA party. 
I'm, I'm having a party. Everybody come over. I got food, everything. And let them get over there. Let it be all the best writers. All right, I fooled y'all. I want to have a writing party. I'm serious. You quitting and you ain't even tried yet. Last one, I'm sorry. Last one. Listen to me. Pain is temporary. It may last for a minute or an hour or a day or even a year. But eventually it will subside and something else will take its place. If I quit, however, it will last forever. Listen to me. I'm telling you as I leave telling you as I leave, I was homeless for two and a half years. And the problem with most of you, you never felt no pain before. Y'all spoil. Y'all spoil. Some of y'all spoil. Just bottom line. Your parents have done everything for you. You never had to do nothing for yourself. You're spoiled. We're going to keep it real tonight. Some of you are spoiled brats. Every time you ever got in trouble, somebody in your house got you out of it. Every time you've done something you're not supposed to do, people say, Eric, your mother's a tyrant. You're right. She kicked me out. You're right. She's mean, but she developed a man because she put me out there and said, you're going to have to grow up. And some of you have never learned to grow up. And so every time something get hard, you quit, you call mama. I dare you to take a little pain. I dare you. I dare you not to go home. Somebody said, I'm going to go home. I feel bad. Go, go through it. You ain't going to die at the end of pain and success. You're not going to die because you're feeling a little pain. I'm not eating like I eat at home. That's why you're about to go to the next level, because if you keep eating like you ate at home, you will keep being a boy or a girl. It's time to become man, woman. So don't, don't worry about a little pain. My greatest asset is I was homeless, so I can't feel a whole lot of pain. I've already been alone. There's not, not, not a whole lot of hurt I can feel on a little paper, on a little test. So I leave you. I leave you. Listen to me. We have gotten to a point where it's midterms and we're moving forward. The days of you getting money, I'm not saying we're quitting, but I'm saying the day has got to go from external to internal. You have to give it everything you got. No more TV, no more parties, no more playing. If you don't have a 4.0, what you need to be doing is studying. Get off the phone. I, I, I'm sorry I'm not available until the end of this year. <laughs> no, I'm for real. You've reached the right number, but you called me at the wrong time. Call me back January 1st. <laughs> I'm about to get busy now. Huh? I want you to have a countdown of your own and say when the countdown is over, where the real, shh, watch me, because when I was homeless, I knew something was wrong. I knew that wasn't the best of me. And one day I said, will the real Eric Thomas please stand up? Would a real Eric Thomas please stand up? Stop being this high school dropout. Stop giving up. Stop sleeping on the streets. Stop walking up and down Finkel Avenue like you ain't got nothing and get your GED. Stop being afraid to take a test. Stop being afraid to go to college because your daddy didn't go and your mama didn't go. Stop being afraid and be the best Eric Thomas you can be. But listen to me, it's going to be hard. It took me 12 years to get a four-year degree, but I got it. And guess what? On a degree, it don't have dates. So if it took you four and it took me 12, it don't show up nowhere. But I'm exactly where I wanted to be because I realized I got to commit my very being to this thing. I got I to breathe it. I got to eat it. I got to sleep it. And until you get there, you'll never be successful in life. But once you get there, I guarantee you the world is yours. So work hard and you can have whatever it is you want. Thank you guys for your time. <laughs> Woo!
Ooh, okay. Uh, the first time I heard that talk, I was amazed. I mean, I thought about my own life and I was amazed just how easily I was defeated sometimes in certain areas. Um, but I was also equally inspired how just hearing a few words like that can just sort of change your perspective and just motivate you to, I don't know, get off the couch and, and start actually doing something, you know, start striving for those uh, long forgotten goals. Okay. So, so now that, you know, some of you may have heard that clip before, if you're not, if you haven't, that's hopefully you, you got a lot of good things out of that. Um, again, what some of you may not have heard is an interview with that same hip hop preacher, right? His name is Eric Thomas again. And, um, he was interviewed on a podcast called The School of Greatness, uh, hosted by Lewis Howe, uh, which, by the way, is a podcast I, I highly recommend. It's a podcast that just interviews basically successful people from various walks of life, and it gives you a glimpse into their routines and the things that they do to achieve at a very high level. All right. You can pick up all sorts of hacks by listening to The School of Greatness podcast. Um, and you've probably heard of the saying, you know, if you hang around dogs, you'll get fleas. Or, um, you know, the company you keep tells a lot about you or put in another way, you know, I've heard it said sometimes that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Um, so the thing about that is, is that can be good or can be bad. And let me give you two extreme examples that, uh, some of you can probably relate to in some way, shape or form. But, um, you know, if, if your best friends are heavy drinkers, there's probably a pretty good chance that you're either drinking already or you're well on your way to becoming uh, a drinker, a heavy drinker at that. Um, but guess what? If, you, if you're hanging around with a bunch of people that are always doing volunteer work and always trying to help others out, um, you will naturally sort of want to do the same things that they are doing. So you got to be careful with the company you keep. Um, now I know Sometimes good role models are very hard to find, um, but that's why we have our number one foundational hack, right? The internet is a great place to find audiobooks and podcasts uh, of really successful people. And just by uh, sort of being a fly on the wall on some of these conversations, you can soak up so much information and uh, glean so many tips from these people just to see how they live their lives and what they're doing. Uh, so maybe you can take that that information and maybe you can take that back to your circle of friends and maybe some of that good that you're learning will uh, rub off on some of your friends and maybe you can start to influence them a little bit more uh, than the other way around so all right check out this clip from the school of greatness enjoy so thanks for coming on the school of greatness i got eric thomas on thanks so much my man i appreciate it we've been trying trying to make it happen for a while and we finally connected absolutely made the drive out here you flew out to cali i made the drive out here so very excited man. absolutely it's like good wine like fine wine (laughs) it takes time to mature we made it happen yeah we made it happen but i appreciate you for those that don't know uh about you eric you have a pretty inspiring story in my mind but i want to hear you just kind of share your story briefly about how you got into what you're doing now you just finished your PhD, is that right? It's like yesterday on the flight. Absolutely. But I want to hear about how you kind of got to where you are now uh, in your words. Man, it's the American dream, you know? (laughs) They say nowhere else, you know, but in America. And I was, it was funny, I was uh, just recently in an interview or had an opportunity to do a luncheon with Warren Buffett, you know, and he was just saying that, you know, this is the greatest country to be born in. This is the greatest time, you know, to be born, you know, in this particular uh, country, you know, social media, 
you know, economics, just opportunity. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the American dream. Um, I represent, you know, what so many uh, people from my community represent, you know, mom who had me out of wedlock, pregnant at 17 years old. Uh, my grandmother kicked her out, not because she didn't love her, uh, but my grandmother kicked her out because she had 14 kids in like wow. a two, three bedroom house, 14 with one kids? bathroom, 14 kids. Wow. And my grandmother was like, you know, I just can't afford to feed another mouth. Sure. Uh, so moms was homeless. So when I say the American dream, you know, you're talking about um, not just my generation, but my mother, um, you know, trying to finish high school and, you know, getting a job in Detroit, working for Ford Motor Company. So, wow. you know, the, the journey started with my mom and sure. I took it from, you know, my mom to an entrepreneur. But, you know, I eventually dropped out of high school. I was homeless for about two and a half years. Wow. And, you know, through education, uh, I think is where, you know, I, I got my turnaround. I'm not saying degrees. Mm. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you know, going to school and really learning how to identify my craft, how to hone in on my craft and how to sharpen that craft. And so I started a GED program because I received my GED. How old were um, you when you did this? I was about 19 when I got my GED. So you dropped out of high school? Yep, dropped out of high school at 16, 17. Took a couple years off. Yep, a couple, uh, couple years <laughs> off. Couple years off. What was happening near those couple years? Um, You know, just trying to find myself. You know, didn't know who my biological father was at the time. Had never really excelled academically. Um, I was a good athlete, but because I didn't keep my grades up, you know, I couldn't play regularly. So I was just trying to find myself and I was fortunate enough, you know, to get in a good church uh, with some good people who helped mentor me, sent me to college, started dating a young lady at the time who challenged me to go to school with her or she was going to break up with me. Mm. You know, so just some real good things happened at the right time. <laughs> End up going to college, took me 12 long years. And I think the challenge was I didn't know the code, the rules. You know, I didn't know the language of academia mm. and I really had to humble myself you know, and really buckle down. Um, and that's what I did. I started working on my oratorical skills. Most people won't believe it, but I got a C minus, you know, in fundamentals of speech, you know, <laughs> um, you know, but, I, you know, o- I, over time, you know, I always tell people I got average skill, but I have phenomenal will, wow. you know, and so I just had to buckle down and, and really ask myself, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? And so I think it was the GED program I did. And this may sound real simple to people, but I think the GED gave me purpose, you know, and in that purpose, I found my passion. Like I finally found something that nobody had to force me to do uh, something that I woke up to every day. I loved it. I love studying the books. I love the information. I love working with students. You know, I would spend the first five, 10 minutes reading a motivational piece and then kind of elaborating on that piece. And I just fell in love with teaching. I fell in love with that environment. I found that I had a way to connect with people that was, you know, that was rare. Mm. Uh, and so from there, I went back to school, took 12 years, but got a degree in business. Wow. Then went to Michigan State, master's and PhD in education and just really worked on my gift. I realized that all of us are born with a gift, but you got to hone it. You know, it, it's just not you're not going to become great. And we talk about the school of greatness. You know, we talk <laughs> about, um, you know, greatness is upon you. And I realized that my gift wasn't going to create itself. My gift wasn't going to nurture itself. My gift wasn't going to perfect itself. That was something I had to do. And so, man, before you know it, we did a video that went viral. I think it's got over 50 million hits now. 
and we turn our passion into um, profit. Mm. Yeah, we love turn, it, man. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> turn our passion into profit. Is that man. the if you if you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, then, then you'll be, be successful. successful. Absolutely, yep. that's a good one, and that's yep. been used. You know, the uh, audio of that has uh, been used in like hundreds of videos that get you know 20, 50 million views alone. Alone. I love the football. Yeah. The football one with the yeah, dude. Giamatti. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. a great little. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, put me back in school, coach. Let's yeah, I, but I was like, maybe if I would have taken my shirt off, it would have blew up early. <laughs> but I doubt it. I doubt it very seriously. Yeah, I doubt That's it. That's hilarious, man. Yeah. So was it? That, would you say that one speech? When was that speech? Um, that speech was back in like 2008, wow. 2009. Did yeah. you say that was a big game changer for you? I mean. I wouldn't say it. The world has said it, you know. And you know what's so funny, and this is why I tell people, you know, just do what you do. You know, so many people are uh, what I call uh, they're they're game watching, they're scoreboard watching, like Mm -hmm. every play. They're looking up to see where they are, you know. And I mean, you can't you you can't scoreboard watch and play the game at the same time. You know, you got to play the game. You know, they're so worried about. All right, is this going to be my year? Is this going like they spend so much time concentrating on when the big one is going to happen mm. that the big one never happens because you can't you can't chase two rabbits. If you chase two rabbits, you're not going to catch either one. Mm. So for us, it was an accident. It, we didn't we didn't plan on doing it. I was in a room going off on a group of students because they had an opportunity of a lifetime and they weren't taking advantage of it. Some guy just happened to have a video camera, wow. just happened to put the mic on me. Just happened to use it for his thesis. And let me say this. He never, ever used it for his thesis. Wow. He never used it. Friend of mine's like, yo, what you do with that video you did two years ago? He was like, well, I still have it. He's like, okay, give it to me. I'm going to put it up on YouTube. No way. There, and not YouTube for the world. YouTube, because that was a, a, a place to house content. Back that in was 2007. It. That was the only reason you, yeah, used, yeah. You, just wanted, <laughs> you just wanted to house content. You know, and I ended up leaving my job at Michigan State. I thought it was time to go do you know, my own thing. And I promise you, two or three months after I left, it went viral. It was literally online for years and didn't have any real traction. And then when I left my job and I said, this is it, I can't explain it, but it began to go viral. The one in the classroom, and then a year or so later, Giovanni's also started to go viral. And he told me, Giovanni said, the the football guy said, he just did it so scouts in the NFL could see it. Right. And so somebody stole it from off of the internet and they put it up. Put the audio over yep, it. Yep, put the, uh, and boom. Yeah, wow. unbelievable. Is he playing in the league right now? He, or he didn't make it to the league. So, so hey, what does that tell you about the <laughs> league, right? This guy, to me, I thought he could play in the league. Yeah. He went to Canada and played for a minute. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but for whatever reason, you know, he hasn't given up on his dreams sure. of playing in the league, but it just goes to show you that the league is 1% of the greatest talent in the world. It's the greatest, yeah, man. Yeah, it's it's yeah. tough to get there. I, mean, yeah, absolutely. I was trying to get there. And <laughs> yeah. I played arena ball, but that's, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's a challenge, man. That is. <laughs> so the video, you shot it two years before it actually yeah, went viral. Yeah. And you were still just grinding and doing your that's thing. It. That's it. And you weren't like hoping, like, I hope this thing gets no. me this viral hit and all these people learn about me. You were no. just still consistently grinding. Yeah. And I think that's greatness. I think what people get confused is, you know, they're grinding with a goal. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have goals, but you should be grinding for grinding's sake. Mm. You know, you should grind because that's what you do. You're passionate about what you do, you know, and so you're waking up every day with this concept of, I have 24 hours. And they're mine. This 24 hours belongs to me. Right. And whatever I do in this 24 hours will determine where I'll be tomorrow and the next day. And I think that's what people need to focus on. Like, get off of this. I want to make six figures. I want to drive this car. I want to live in this house. 
I think what people should be focusing on is I have 24 hours. Like Oprah only has 24. Yeah. Bill Gates only has 24. Like Warren Buffett only has 24 hours. And in that 24 hour period, I can either break my life or make my life. Yeah. And I think, and I'm not saying you shouldn't have goals. Don't, don't, that, I just think that goals for people is too high on the priority list. And I think what should be on the priority list is going to bed so you can wake up the next day and you can grind it out. Mm. And I'm just a dude that believes you reap what you sow. So if you're grinding on Monday, grinding on Tuesday, grinding on Wednesday, if you're grinding six, seven days a week for, for a span of five or six years, something's got to come out of that. Sure. But if you're only grinding, you know, on Monday you fired up, Wednesday you back and sleeping in, <laughs> Thursday you got you, the funk of the world is on. Like I've heard people say, hump day. Hump day. What is hump? <laughs> Every day is hump day. Like what's, Wednesday is hump day. Like Monday hump day. Tuesday is hump day. Like every day is hump day. And I think if we would spend more time on what's my goal, you know, and meaning what do I need to accomplish in this day to live this lifestyle and you go after it, then I think I think more mm. people will be successful. Interesting. Yeah, but they spend too much time like scoreboard watching. They spend too much time on their I want this car and this house and live this lifestyle. No, that's that's the wrong. You focus. can think about the goal yeah. and have that in your mind, yeah. but then think, okay, I'm gonna hustle every yeah. day to make it happen. Not and, just and, and not just hustle every day. I mean, you should be specific. Like, look, I, I gotta believe that millionaires do certain things. I gotta believe that millionaires have a certain habit. Right. I gotta believe that they sleep so many hours. I gotta believe that they know their craft. I gotta believe they're passionate. They're, you know, and so when I take my goal, instead of looking at my goal and asking, how much money can I make? I've gotta ask myself, what things do I need to do every single, like from eight to nine, what should I be doing mm -hmm. to be a millionaire? From nine to 10, what okay. should I be doing? From 10 to 10, 15, like what should I be doing? And that's why I wake up every morning at three o'clock because for me, it's okay, Monday do this, Tuesday do this, Wednesday do that, and if I do those things, I'm guaranteed to be successful. So tell me about your daily rituals then. Do you have a daily ritual? I heard you get up at 3 a.m., is yeah. that true? Every uh, day, do you, what, is, what is your hour-to-hour yeah. -hour look like? Walk us through your process. Now, now here, here's a challenge. A lot of people ask me what time I wake up in the morning, and I, I think that so many young people, just because they've never been exposed to greatness, they're asking a good question. The great question should be, what time do you go to bed at night? Oh. That's, that's the question you should be asking mm. me. The question is, what time do you go to sleep? And so every night, I try to go to bed, like, like literally in the bed, 8, 30, 9 o'clock, wow. sleep that's like by some, 9, 30. That's yeah. like some two-year-olds. Oh, man. I'm talking that's about like, some like baby stuff right there. You know that's like <laughs> kindy guard, like that. And I, and, 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 I, and I do that routinely. Now, I tell people, of course, I travel the world. So of course I'm not going to bed right, right. every day at 9:30. But but here's the deal. When I can, what happens is I create this habit that my body believes that all right, 9:30, all right, you wake up at 3, which means I'm getting 5 to 6 hours of sleep, which is pretty good, right? But here's the trick. When I came to California, my body still woke up wow. at 3 something because it's accustomed to going to bed at a certain time. My body doesn't really know what time it is. Like my body's not it's not knowledgeable of time zones, right? right? My body just knows that this is the time we normally wake up. So I go to bed consistently early. I wake up early. Now, this is why I wake up. Now, if you're listening to me, you're an entrepreneur, you have to hear this. There are people who graduated magnum cum laude, I didn't. There are people who were born into wealth 
There are people who were born into a certain network. I wasn't. But here's the trick. Even though I don't have what they have, I can outwork you. Mm. So if I'm getting up at three o'clock in the morning and as sweet as you are, networks, parents, wealth, opportunities, and you're getting up at eight, I've got a five hour jump start on you. Like, I don't care who you are. If, 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 if we're traveling to the same city and I take off five hours before you, nine out of 10, I'm gonna get there before you get there. So my trick is I get up at three o'clock in the morning because I didn't know who my biological father was. It took me 12 years to get a degree. So I wake up earlier because that guy who is deeper than I am, who has more advantages or opportunities than I have, when we get our contract to that same company, when my contract gets to that guy, that CEO reads my contract at 3.30 in the morning. He's like, this dude is serious. Wow. So I know this guy graduated Magnum Cum Laude, but he, he sent me his contract at 9. Eric mm. sent his at 3.30. Like, you got to give me a shot. You got to give me at least an interview, right? right. For the 3.30 thing, you got to give me an interview. <laughs> so what I'm trying to explain to people is my ritual is I'm going to beat you to the spot. Mm. I'm going to beat you to the spot. That's what it's all about. Right. For those of us who play basketball or those of us who play football, sometimes it's not about being the, 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 the greatest talent. It's about beating a person to the spot. So if I beat you to the spot and I got an open shot, it doesn't mean I'm the greatest, but I beat you to the spot. Right. I created my own shot. I created my own space. That's what the crossover is about. The crossover is about creating your own shot, creating your own space. And the way I have become a, a millionaire and the way I've become one of the top motivational speakers in the world, nobody knew who I was six, seven years ago, is that I've created space. Mm. I've created space. I've, 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 I've given myself an advantage that others don't have. And is it hard? No, not really. It's, you just wake up earlier. You can take naps during the day if you want to, right? <laughs> so it doesn't mean you have to stay up the entire day, but it does mean you have to get to the spot before everybody else. So it kind of looks like the first hour, um, I'm, I'm really a dude of faith. So the first hour I really spend you know, um, read my Bible, praying. After that, I uh, work out for about a good hour. I've got an accountability group that I talk to for an hour, mm. spend time with my wife. Every morning? Every morning. Spend every morning, accountability group. Hour, two hours. We're kind of just talking about our day, what we're going to do. Spend time with my wife. My wife is, they say iron sharpens iron, but my wife is like titanium sharpens titanium, <laughs> you know. Uh, and my wife is constantly telling me, you need to improve in this area. You need to do better in this area. Um, and then eight o'clock in the morning, CJ and I get on the phone wow. and we spend the rest of the day going after it. Wow. So we've got a list of call Australia, a list of you got four videos, two voiceovers. Um, and, and let me say this to my entrepreneurs. I have a ritual where even if you are my closest friend, I have boundaries. Mm. So just because it's my company, it doesn't mean I can take calls all day. Right. I have boundaries. So you can't call me at a certain time. Why? I'm working. So if I'm on the phone all day, just be, and, and I'm saying this to entrepreneurs, because one of the gaps, and we'll talk about this later in the show, but you got to find the gaps. And one of the gaps with entrepreneurs is that they feel like because they own their day, they can spend it like they want. To. You cannot spend it like you want to. You, so if you were working for IBM or you're working for Ford, whoever you're working for, you couldn't be on the phone all day at a major corporation talking on the phone. So so why do you allow yourself to talk on the phone when it's your business? Matter of fact, it's yours. You should probably you, you should make sure there's no phone calls going on because it's your <laughs> business. So one of my rituals is when I get started, there are no interruptions. Wow. When I get started, I don't care if it's my wife, my children. They know that from a certain time frame. 
I'm going all in and I can't go all in answering the phone. I can't go all in watching TV. I can't, I can't go in with the distractions. And so some entrepreneurs are like, why am I not blowing up? Because you don't, you're not in abstraction. You don't have that, that, that moment of your day. I don't care if it's two hours, four hours where you shut the entire world out. No Twitter, no Facebook, no you, nothing. No, no Instagram. No we love Instagram. <laughs> no Instagram. We love that Instagram. Uh, so, but just for two hours, I'm going in, and then once I come out, then we can do Instagram. And I'll be honest, your content probably would be stronger mm. if you had that that time of isolation, of solitude, where you give yourself a chance to think, you give yourself a chance to go in, and when you go in, you go 120 so yeah, that's like my that. ritual. What would you say? I want to first. I want to get to accountability. Okay. Why is accountability so important for you and so many other people? Why does it? Why is it a game changer for you? I, I you know, I, I learned this from Dan Gilbert um, in Quicken Loans. He has like 19 isms that you know his company lives by, and and the, and the one I love the most says, "Innovation is rewarded, execution is worshipped." Mm. So what I learned uh, uh, being around Dan Gilbert is like. Your money changes when you execute. Mm. I, I, I realized I didn't know, I didn't have a right concept of success. Now I understand success is accomplishing what you say you're going to accomplish. Mm. It's getting done what you say you're going to get done. And let's be honest, if you were to sit back and do a percentage on what you said you were going to do in a time span, like what, how would you grade yourself? If you're saying 70, you're a C. If you're saying 80, you're a B. 90, you're a A. 100%. And so I said, if I could execute every single time. So as I began to look at my life, I realized, and this is for Eric Thomas. If I say I'm going to work out 21 days in a row and nobody knows about it, <laughs> nobody knows I'm going to work out for 21 days, I can kind of sneak away yeah, with, yeah. I'll do 30, I can do 10, and cheat here, cheat there. But when I call somebody and say, hey, right, right. I'm going to work out for 21 days. I need you to hold me accountable. A part of my working out has absolutely nothing to do with working out. It has absolutely nothing to do with my health. It has absolutely nothing to do with me caring about my body. It has everything to do with, I told you I was going to do it, and I don't want you to call me and ask me that I do it, and I have to tell you I didn't do it. So I realized that every man is where he is because when he says he's going to do something, not only does he do it, but he does it in a certain time frame and with a certain quality. And if I have a group of people who can call me every day and say to me that you, you say you're going to do that, you say you're going to do that, listen to me. I, my first book took me 10 years to finish. <laughs> and I did not finish my book until a good friend of mine, Kagia, within a span of about a year or two, kept calling me every week and say, did you finish yet? What chapter are you on? Wow. What, okay, how, did you, what part, did you, all right, when is it going to be done? And I, I want to be honest. He got on my last nerves. <laughs> and, I, and I think just the whole disappointing him, mm. I just was like, I'm tired. And so I finished that book, and I finished the second book before he could ask me about a second wow. book. And sent him the second book when it was finished. Like, shut up. Like, don't call <laughs> me. Don't ask me about it. Same thing with school. You know, I had finished all my coursework. Didn't start the dissertation, and I would be on the road, and people say, "Et, you said three years ago on, on one of your TGIMs that you was gonna get your PhD. How's the PhD coming?" I got tired of people asking me, wow. "When is the PhD? When are you gonna finish? Are you finished yet? When are you gonna finish?" You know, and so a part of my success has been being brave enough to say it, 
and I'm not saying it because I thought I could actually do it, but saying it so I could be held accountable. Mm. And then once people start holding me accountable, boom, I start, I just didn't want to seem like a liar. I didn't want to let people down. So if you're an entrepreneur, I challenge you to get out of the dark corners, the dark spaces, you know, of having these goals and dreams that nobody knows about. And I challenge you to take your dreams and goals and share it. Now, here's the other part. For me, that's critical. I always think about if I don't execute, how is that going to hurt my family? Mm. How is that going to hurt my friends? So, so if I don't execute, what type of Christmas are we talking about? Uh. Like we can't come to Cali if I'm not executing. You know what I'm saying? Like my son, uh, first year of school, I paid cash for him to go to school. You can't pay cash tuition if you're not executing. Mm. You know, if you're not getting engagements, right? So each one of my children, have, they have their own car to get to school. You can't buy your kids vehicles when you're not executing. My wife has a car, just took her to Hawaii. She only works 12 hours a week. She can't, she can't do those things. And mind you, she had, we just, uh, it was diagnosed a year and a half ago. She had a chronic illness of six to seven legions on her brain. Imagine if I wasn't an executor, my wife would still have to work 40 hours. There are women with the same disease that my wife has that have to work 40 hours. Why? Because their husband didn't execute. So they got to get up and go to work, even though medically it's not healthy. They still got to get up and go to work. My wife does not have to get up and go to work. She wants to work. So she does 12 hours. Why? Because I executed. And I realize now execution in business is like a heart beating as it relates to your body. Mm. Once that heart stops, that's it for your body. If, when you're not executing as a business person, as an entrepreneur, it's over for you. The day you're just talking, you're spending hours, you're talking about what you're going to do, you're spending hours visualizing, you're spending hours, look, I, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but you, I think you can appreciate this. I don't even do lunch like I used to do with people anymore. Why? Because I realize a lot of people want to do lunch and just talk. Yeah. Like we just, we just spent an hour talking, 30 minutes drive, that's two hours. Of, I could have been making money executing. in those two hours. Yeah, yeah. I, I could have been executing. So, so I'm not against mentoring. Yeah, yeah. I'm not against meetings, but a lot of the meetings that I attend it's a bunch of jargon. Yeah, yeah. It's wasted space, wasted time. And so I'm going to say, I guarantee you, this year could be the best year of your life if you execute more. I'm not saying you're not executing, but I'm telling you, if you were to execute 100% of the time, you probably would add another comma to your okay. income, another zero to your income just by executing, executing within the time frame you say you're going to do it, and executing with excellence. Mm. Just do those three things, and I guarantee you're going to go to a whole other level. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I know what you're talking about when it's saying mentorship, or you don't have lunch with yeah. people, but really, you want to do it on a broader scale. You yeah. want to do it on a bigger scale. Yeah. That's why you have your show. That's yeah, why you absolutely. do speaking, so absolutely. you can mentor hundreds, hundreds of thousands, of people, of millions of people, yeah. as opposed to spending yeah. two hours with one person. Yeah. Or sitting here with you and doing almost millions. Exactly, yeah, right, exactly. Right. exactly. I sit here with you for an hour, and now we're going to mentor <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So what is your, what's your why? You're so passionate. You're, yeah. so, you're so committed. Yeah. Why are you so committed to excellence and greatness in your own life? Well, you it, talk it, about family, but I'm assuming that's part of it. But absolutely. But, you know, to me, bigger than that, because family is important, but if you live in a third world country, let's, yeah. let's be honest, you're limited to what you could do for your family. So while family is important, listen to me, opportunity is the biggest thing. Like, people ask me, why did you wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning? If I could be a millionaire in America and live wherever I want to live, you just, all I got to do is get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. That's pretty like, sweet. That's it? That's a sweet deal. I got to, and I can go to bed whenever I want to go to bed, and I can buy a good bed. I can have a good mattress, right, that I can sleep in when I go to bed, right? So for me, it's opportunity that in this great country, and, you know, um, this country has had 
you know, uh, it's dark past, uh, you know, but I, I'm not fortunate enough, Yeah, I'm fortunate enough not to live, have lived in that dark past. So there wasn't, there was a time in this, this, this country's history where Eric Thomas would not have had some of the opportunities right. that I have now. So I have opportunities that Dr. Martin Luther King didn't have. I have opportunities that just 50, 60 years ago, they didn't have. So in my, my generation, it doesn't make a difference what your race is. It doesn't make a difference what your ethnic background is. I can be an entrepreneur. Like a hundred years ago, somebody from my background couldn't have been an entrepreneur. I, I can be a CEO of a company. Right. I, I, the two of us can get together, you know, and work together. Like I live the dream. I have an opportunity to live Dr. Martin Luther King's dream. You mean to tell me <laughs> that I have that opportunity? I'm not going to take advantage of it? Yeah. Like that, that's ignorant. Like there was a time where we couldn't go to school, where if we were trying to get in school, they bring the National Guards, they've got dogs, and they're walking these kids in, you know, to a school where people don't want them. I have an opportunity to go to school and be embraced by professors. I have an opportunity to write books. I have an opportunity to do conferences. I have an opportunity to have a show on YouTube. You mean to tell me I have an opportunity to do that and get paid for it? And I'm not going to take advantage of that? Like, that's what I'm passionate about. <laughs> we flew first class last night, my entire family, right? I have an opportunity to fly first class. I have an opportunity to walk up to the street, Ontario airport, and just get a vehicle. Like, th that's not something that happened two, three hundred years ago. And here I am living the dream. And you mean to tell me that the whole world is in front of you and you're not going to uh, uh, try to be a millionaire or billionaire? You're not going to write books. You're not going to get degrees. Mm. So for me, opportunity, and this is the biggest thing that, uh, listen to me, that has ever happened in my life. And I know we all have different goals, different dreams to each his own. But the greatest contribution of my life, I dropped out. My grandfather dropped out. My father dropped out. My son graduated from high school wow. on time, right? <laughs> Went to Michigan State University. He is a student at Michigan State University, a Big Ten institution, works for Tom Izzo, who is going to go down in the NCAA Hall of Fame sure. as a basketball. My son is working with one of the top coaches in the world as a general manager, traveling the world. Uh, this was maybe about a month and a half ago. I just, man, overwhelmed. Um, the AD and Coach Izzo at a big award ceremony gave him his letterman jacket. Wow. You know what I'm saying? That's huge. He has the ring when they went to the Elite uh, Eight last year. They won the Big Ten uh, championship. He's got the ring. You know, he's in school. He's he, Man, that's my greatest that I broke the cycle. So for me to have this opportunity and to set my children up now, you know, for this type of life, that's my why. That I have an opportunity, but more importantly, I can break the cycle. I can change the trajectory of my family forever just by the decisions that I make. So I say this a lot to entrepreneurs. The stuff you're doing right now, the decisions you're making right now, Warren Buffett, you know, Bill Gates, the stuff that they, the decisions that they made 20, 30 years ago has set their children up for the rest of their lives. Mm. And here I have an opportunity to do the exact same thing. Uh, I told my son, I will pay for you to get a degree. I told my daughter, I will cash. I will pay for you to go to school. Wow. That's my gift to you, to give you one of the greatest started starts that you can ever have in America. You know, so that that's 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 my why. And then for all those kids out there who don't have their fathers, who haven't had, you know, um, exposure to uh, certain role models, uh, certain opportunities. You know, every day when I do my videos, I'm, I'm trying to give them access, you know, to some of the greatest 
speakers I've heard. I've been with Les Brown. I've been with John Maxwell. I've been to Bob Proctor. I've traveled the world. I've met people like Dan Gilbert. I've met, uh, you know, just, 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 you know, people in this industry who are just, I mean, gurus. Mm. And now I want to take that same knowledge and I want to sure. give that to these kids so I can give them the same opportunities that I had. Who are your mentors right now and how important do you think it is for people to have mentors slash coaches throughout their entire journey of their life, whether they're in school, playing a sport, uh, running a business, you know, trying to be married, you know, how important is it to have key mentors oh, and coaches? Man. I mean, and who are yours? Yeah, I mean, it's everything because, you know, my mother calls it triple darkness. You don't know that you don't know that you don't know. Mm. You know, it's triple darkness for the kid that's growing up in a certain neighborhood without his father. You know, he hasn't had, he's never left his city. He's never been a 10, 20 mile radius outside of his city. There are kids in Los Angeles who've never been to a beach. Yeah. You know, it's unbelievable. You know, there, there are kids in Chicago who never been downtown at the pier or never walked the Magnificent Mile. You know, there are kids in San Francisco who've never been to the Golden Gate Bridge. I mean, can you imagine kids in Huntsville, Alabama, who've never gone to the Space and Rocket Center? Yep. You know, so I think it's everything. I'm not where I am because of who I am. I am where I am because of the, the information that individuals gave me, mm. you know. And so uh, my mentors, and we're fortunate in this generation through books, uh, through social media, anybody could be your mentor. Anyone, yeah. I mean, you can follow whoever you want. But of recent, Dan Gilbert has been, you know, of course, owns Quicken Loans, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. You know, he's been a mentor to me. He shared with me, you know, the 19 principles that he uses um, to revolutionize not only his company, but bring back Detroit. And I think that's why my relationship uh, with Dan Gilbert is so important. Bill Emerson, who's also with Quicken Loans, Tony Knuckles, is because I'm watching these guys build Detroit back up. Yeah, I, I get to see the the, the 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 millionaires, billionaires who are building the city back up. I know them. I get to call them. I get to do lunch with them. Wow. I get to ask them questions. So Dan Gilbert is one. Tom Izzo definitely. You know, have an opportunity. He seems like an awesome yeah. guy. Oh, awesome guy, man. I'm talking about hard nose, old school, just lives by principles. You know, going to the practices, having access to Tom Izzo. You know, uh, another, you know, has uh, been another mentor, um, Coach D'Antonio with the football team. I get an opportunity to, you know, go up there on a regular basis and just watch how he operates. I watch these guys in the film room. Yeah. I get to see these guys, you know, on the road, on the plane, you know, how they're pouring into these kids and, you know, forcing these kids to get a degree and just the, the, the exposure that they're giving to these kids. And then through them, you know, just recently I was uh, through Dan Gilbert. I had a chance to sit down and do lunch with Bu Warren Buffett. That's not somebody that I would normally have exposure to. Sure. So that's why I tell these kids, when you get an opportunity to meet E.T., you don't know who else you're meeting. Like, right. I, you know, I, I work with the NFL. I work with the NBA. You know, they're kids. You you work with Kyrie Irving. I'm like, I work with these kind of guys on a regular basis. You know, and I've learned from Kyrie. I've learned from just when I lecture him, just seeing that that passion in his wow. eye, you know, just seeing him listening and following him on Twitter. So I, I would say that those are some of the, you know, the people now. And of course, CJ, even though CJ works for me, you know, CJ is brilliant young man. You know, he, he really has is the brand genius of this company. I've been doing this for years. Um, but C kind of came in with just just the, the the vision, you know, um, that was just out of this world. So C is definitely a mentor. I'm learning a lot from CJ. Um, and uh, I would I would say to young people, you know, if you're living in the community and the resources aren't there, I challenge you to get on the bus and go to the library on the other side of town. I challenge you to go um, and learn the handles Messiah. I challenge you, you know, to pick up a piano, to pick up mm. a, um, a, a violin. I challenge you yeah. to not 
accept the life that's been given to you. You know, just because somebody gave you that light, that does not have to become your reality. I challenge you to go outside of your immediate environment and I challenge you to explore. You know, I challenge you to discover because it's so much like if you live in America, you never have to go out of this country. Now, I'm not suggesting that you don't travel, right. but I'm just saying there's so many great gems in this country. I travel to kids who spend hundreds and thousands of dollars on shoes to I, I challenge you to get a plane ticket and come to California. Mm. You know, I challenge you to go to Miami. I challenge you to go, you know, Manhattan and New York. I challenge you to see America and get out of your neighborhood, get out of those four walls I challenge you to learn a second language. Yeah. I challenge you to watch PBS, you know, NPR radio. Like I challenge you to get out of just that world that you've been given. I challenge you to read books, you know, to learn the history of this company. Like I challenge you to be bigger, bolder and better five years from now, 10 years from now. I challenge you to get your high school diploma, try college. Look, if you don't like it, you can leave, but give it a year, you know, because so many people think it's just about school. I met some of the greatest friendships, some of the greatest people I met in college. So I would say exposure is so important. And some of the people that we admire are people who have been exposed yeah. to things that other people haven't been exposed sure, to. Sure. Yeah. What would you say are the three biggest mistakes that entrepreneurs make that don't make them successful yeah. or three big mistakes that someone who's not an entrepreneur, but someone just trying to get what they want. What are those three big things that they do that, that are mistakes? Yeah. For me, I think most people move without knowing, mm -hmm. you know, no I, vision. Yeah. Right? I, I just think, man, you know, for a lot of people, they have not literally sat down and thought through what will this take? Yeah. You know, okay. So I want to be a real estate. Yeah. Okay. Real estate is great. But have you spent months and years asking yourself, what are the qualities of a great real estate, you know, um, individual. What are the great um, uh, books that we need to read? What's the knowledge that you need to know? Like, I think people get started from mm. feelings. They get started from these great ideas, but they don't get started from facts. Yeah. And I'm telling you, one of the things Warren Buffett said that blew my mind when they asked him his routine, he said he sit, he spends the first. Well, he didn't say first, but he just said six hours a day he's reading. Wow. And I'm like. Okay, so just in case you missed that, because I don't want you to go and just buy a whole bunch of books and start reading for six hours a day. What I heard was his decision-making process is so much stronger than mine's because it's based off of six hours of information. Wow. That's incredible. So you spent six hours. So a lot of basketball players that I meet, D1 ballers, they spend more time playing the game than they do studying the game. Mm. So they don't like watching film. They don't like practicing. And so I would say to the entrepreneur out there, it's not about what you know that's going to create success in your life. It's what you don't know. It's the gaps that's going to break your company. It's those little things that you don't do that you didn't know you were supposed to do that will break the back of your company. That, that will allow the other guy to get breaks that you don't get. You know, so for me, I started this company and it was just little things that I, I just didn't know that going to conferences and meeting people like I did not know that, Eric, whether you like meetings or not, you need to have meetings and, 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 and not just have meetings for meetings sakes. There needs to be measurements. There, need, there, there, there needs to be accountability. There, there needs to be uh, uh, immediate goals and long term goals. There needs to be look at the threats, look at the opportunities. So the first thing I think is that most people are starting a business without truly being informed. Mm. You may have 70% knowledge or 60%, but you're not operating on 100% information. And you're so eager and you're so, 
You're so desperate to make money. You're so desperate, you know, to, to move forward that you haven't spent the quality time building a solid foundation. Right, right. So number two, I think the problem is once we are informed, we don't have the design. You know, if, if and when I say design, let me just say this. You guys know I'm from Detroit. We call it recall in Detroit. So so a, a, a car industry would make a car, mm. but the design of that car is not thorough. So they have to call it back. Yep. Something wrong with the brake system, something wrong with the acceleration, something's wrong with the ignition, which could create death. Sure. Right? So well, so they, has for, for many people yeah, yeah. it has. So so what they have done is they have created a car, but they the design was not uh, uh, of greatness. It was not excellent. And so I would say to people, number two, after the knowledge, make sure that your design, the design of your company, the strategy of your company, the infrastructure of your company is sound. Because what we've discovered is that most companies don't make it past three years. Now, I don't know the statistics, but they're high. I think it's over 60% of first time businesses don't make it past three years. Why? Because they're building off of sand mm. and they're not building off a of solid foundation. So number two, make sure your infrastructure is solid. Now we're going to be around for a long time. Now, a lot of people say, you know, we don't know, we didn't know who Eric Thomas was before. You know, so we had never heard of this guy before. And the reason why you hadn't heard of me, because I've been building the infrastructure like an ant. Like if you study the ant, when you look at the, the, the infrastructure underground of an ant, they say it's like they're highways and freeways. Wow. They say it's like they're building Rome. Their infrastructure is solid. And so you haven't heard about Eric Thomas. Why? Because I've been getting the masters. I've been getting a PhD. You know, I've been meeting with um, some of the best leaders in the world, the John Maxwell's, you know, the Bob Proctor's, the Les Brown's. Like I've, I've been I've been meeting with these individuals. So I've been getting my infrastructure solid. OK. And so now that I'm out, because this is what happens, I don't know if you guys and I just I want to make sure that because this is radio that or the, the, your, your audio, you're hearing us. I want to give you the visual. Uh, but there was a commercial years ago of a company, you know, that had made this t this great brand. And so they were looking for um, uh, one of these, I guess, you know, like UPS, FedEx, these packaging companies to you know help support them. And so when they started. The very first day they opened, they had like 300 sales and 1,000 sales. And before you know, they had like 3,000 sales and it overwhelmed them, you know, because they weren't ready for while the product was great. Yeah. They didn't they didn't have the shipping the aspect. Great. So it overwhelmed. They had like 3,000. and You can just see the numbers going up, going up. <laughs> and they're sitting there like, oh, there's no way possible for us to get, you know, 3,000 of our um, uh, our designs out to the world. Because the infrastructure was not solid. And it, the, the last thing I think is the discipline. Mm. I think where most people go wrong is that once they have the knowledge, once they have the infrastructure in place, they don't have the discipline that it takes to become successful. And by discipline, I mean there are many opportunities that I've had to do TV. There are opportunities that I've had to, to, to work for specific companies. But I had the discipline to say no. It's not the time. Not right now. You know, no, um, I, I would love to be in TV, but TV would take away, you know, from my ultimate goal. And no, I don't want to get up and go to class. And no, I don't want to work on a Ph.D. And no, I don't feel like writing. And no, I don't feel like working out. And so I find that most people aren't successful because they don't have the discipline it takes. The discipline to say no when they should say no. The discipline to say yes when they should say yes. 
and more importantly, the discipline to wait. And so for a lot of us, we get broke in that waiting process, mm. you know, and I found that a lot of companies that initially told me no, and I would, and I said, no, I can't do it for that price. You know, I can't, I can't do it under these circumstances that three years later, when my videos kept you know, going up, the numbers kept going up. Now they're like, Eric, we want to work with you. And they're willing to pay me what I feel my, my product is valued at. Sure. And why? Because I waited. Mm. I, I, I didn't, I didn't say yes to everything. I didn't, I didn't bite at the first opportunity. You know, I wasn't desperate. I knew, I knew, I knew my stuff. I knew I had put in the time. I knew I had made the investment. And so now I'm considered one of the top motivational speakers in the world, one of the top coaches uh, in the world. Why? Because, man, I got the knowledge first. I've been in this thing over 20 years. I built a strong infrastructure and I've had the discipline it takes to say no to some things, say yes to some things. And more importantly, I've been able to wait I've been able to wait. And now that I've waited, I think uh, I'm, I'm on the show with you. So apparently my time, <laughs> my time is coming. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, I want to I want to wrap it up in a, f a few more questions because yeah. I, I could hear you speak forever. Yeah, so I can speak. This forever. could go for more hours and hours. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd love to have you come back. Right. On I'd love again. to. Yeah. Um, but I want to get you to your family. What are you most grateful for recently and overall this entire year? Now that we're wrapping up the year, what are you most grateful for in your life? I, I, I would say I'm most grateful. Uh, for second and third opportunities. You know, I'm getting my PhD at 44, you know, and the way the structure is designed, they give you 10 years, you know, to complete that process. And I think I would have done it in eight. Now, from start to finish, it probably was only four and a half, five, but I'm grateful for that grace period, you know, that while I was doing some other things that I thought were a priority uh, that had to be taken care of before I could take care of this, uh, so I'm grateful for grace. I'm grateful for mm. um, while my wife has, you know, been been diagnosed, uh, you know, with a chronic illness. I'm grateful um, that it has it hasn't debilitated her, you know, uh, that while she does need, you know, her rest and she changed her diet. Of course, she's still able to go to work. She's still able to travel. And we've had to make some great consensus, but and some adjustments, you know, and we've had to, um, you know, we have we had to alter our lifestyle to some extent. I'm, I'm grateful that it has not, she's not in a wheelchair. She hasn't been hospitalized. You know, a lot of people with her illness have, you know, experienced blindness and, and, and had some other, you know, not been able to walk and some other sensory issues. And my wife hasn't had anything other than uh, issues of fatigue. And while I won't minimize fatigue, I'm just saying that's not the worst thing, you know, that could happen. So I think this year I've, I've just been so grateful, um, you know, just for grace, that the grace that has been extended to my family uh, and traveling mercies. I'm on the road quite a bit, you know, and there are planes that have crashed, you know, there are people who got into accidents and I've been able to make it home every, um, mm. after every trip, you know, and so it's been great. And then finally, like I said, you know, seeing my son, you know, do what he's dreamed of, seeing him, you know, on ESPN, he's been on Sports Illustrated, you know, uh, a couple times and, you know, just seeing, like I said, seeing him enjoy his life. I was homeless at his age, you know, um, I was a high school dropout. And so seeing my son, get a better start than I had has been uh, phenomenal. So, uh, and just seeing all the emails and, you know, different things we get from people who say, Hey, I had cancer. You got me through it. You know, I had to take my um, bar exam three times, but I passed it. You know, I had to take my medical exam a few times, but I got it. So thanks for, you know, almost being transparent, you know, thank you for sharing your weaknesses, yeah. 
you know, to give us strength. So uh, it's been a phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal year. And I would say I'm grateful for my fans who've turned into my family, mm. you know, because they go to bat for me. You know, it's funny sometimes on uh, these different sites, people will make uh, comments you know, out of ignorance. They haven't studied me as long as other people. And my fans will jump right on it. <laughs> They're like, hey, you don't know E.T. Don't say that about E.T. E.T. put in the work. You know, he's not that type of guy, you know. So um, it's just been a phenomenal year. And I'm really looking forward uh, through, you know, through um, the digital um, uh, platform yeah. to really take uh, my game to the next level. I'm looking forward to seeing what doors are going to open uh, with this Ph.D. Um, that's been, you know, like I said, four or five years of grind. And uh, I'm looking to see what type of fruit is going to be produced as a result of me going into that intense type of study. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Uh, I think gratitude is such a big part of my life for, you know, continuing to add yeah. more of what I want. Yeah. So I love to ask people what they're grateful for. Before I ask you the final question, Eric, I want to acknowledge you really quickly for your passion. You have so much energy. You have so much passion. You have so much love. I can feel it radiating, literally radiating off of you. Game, so much love <laughs> for other people and their success. So I want to acknowledge you for you. being an incredible gift Thank you. to so many people, for using your voice for good, for using your voice to inspire and lead others to show people what's possible. So I want to acknowledge you for that. Thank you. I thank appreciate you that. for appreciate that. stepping up in the world yeah. when so many people don't. Well, I appreciate that. Um, final question. Yeah. It's what I ask all my guests at the end. Okay. It's what's your definition of greatness? Uh, my, my definition of greatness, man, is leaving the world better than how it was given to you. You know, uh, my mother, who, like I said, got pregnant with me at 17, she had one wish for all of us, and that was that each generation should do better than the next generation. So for me, greatness is, you know, just making this world a better place, leaving YouTube better than it was before Eric Thomas got on it, leaving Instagram better than it was before Eric Thomas got on it. You know, um, Michigan State University, the, the state of Michigan, the state of Alabama, like wherever I've been, yeah. making it better, you know, and hopefully, you know, even with, you know, uh, your contribution to the world, you know, through this podcast and through uh, video, making sure that in 2014, it's one of the top programs that people can go to and listen to for inspiration. You know, so for me, greatness is about making things better Greatness is about getting better. You know, when we were kids, Granny used to say, good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. You know, so for me, greatness is about nobody knows Eric Thomas. Nobody knows what I'm capable of, but I know what I'm capable of and getting better every single day. Never settling, never saying, well, I got a Ph.D., so I'm finished. You know, I, well, I've got a video few videos that went viral. Most people have never done that. I'm doing good. I wrote three books. I'm good. No, no, Eric, you know, you know, at the end of the day, when you lay your head down to sleep, Imano, Imano, man to man, my flesh to my spirit, you know, when you've given your best, you know, when you've gotten better and, and, and greatness is challenging the today you and the future you saying you can get better. You know, um, to me, that's what greatness is. And then I, I, I think finally, and I've alluded to it, but really making people's lives better, mm. you know, like tangibly. Some of us have been blessed to get certain opportunities. We're at a certain place financially. We're at a certain place in our influence. And I believe it's my duty to use my influence, you know, in my finances, in my time to tangibly make other people's lives better. And to me, that's what um, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, 
you know, Martin Luther King, when I think of greatness, you know, those are the people that I think about and they, they've long been gone, but their contributions still live with us today. And they're still making an impact on the world today. Mm. Eric Thomas, thanks for coming. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so I wow. you got, remember before I got a question for him. Oh yeah. All right. All right. All right. Y'all ready? Go ahead. All right, all, right, all, right, all right. So I just want to turn the tables. All right. Um, because I believe, you know, it's no coincidence that, you know, your numbers have grown from the first time you started. And I just believe that's an indication that there's something of value um, that you bring to this world, which is why people follow you. And there is a, a group of people, you know. So the, first, I just want you to just talk to me like how, how or why. You know, like why, why did you, of all the things that you could do, you talked about, you know, going to the league and mm -hmm. um, while you might say it didn't work, I think it worked. I mm. think, I think you got a lot out of that, yeah. that experience. I think you got a lot out of the people that you met, but, but of all the things you could do, why did you, why did you decide to do this? And why did you decide to do it now? This podcast? Yep. Well, I was not fully fulfilled in my business before. And so I sold my company to my business partner. We had a great run, made a lot of money, but it wasn't something aside of me wasn't like, this is what I want to do every day when I wake up. And I realized that for me, I'm really inspired by constantly learning, constantly growing and constantly connecting with the most inspiring people in the world like yourself. And I've had great opportunity to meet some amazing people like yourself and become friends with a lot of great people. But a lot of my friends don't have that opportunity. And a lot of people that follow me online don't have that opportunity. So I said I wanted to create an experience, an environment, a platform for people to gain the information from the most intelligent, inspiring people in the world and show people what's possible for their lives so they can step in their own greatness. For me, I've always wanted to defy the odds about myself, of, uh, you know, my physical limitations, my mental limitations. You know, I couldn't read growing up, always struggled in school was in the bottom of my class every year. We would have grade cards uh, with rankings on them. And I was always the last four. Wow. For me, I just wanted to break the last four. Mm. And I had to cheat constantly in every uh, class, every homework assignment, I had to cheat to get through just to be able to play sports. So for me, I wanted to show people what was possible for them um, and not have to suffer like I did growing up, feeling stupid constantly, feeling like I didn't have the information, like I couldn't learn and bring it in an approachable place to uh, inspire the world. Mm -hmm. So so give me a myth because, you know, guys are looking at you now, you know, they're they're looking at the success of the mm -hmm. podcast. They're, they have probably looked at, you know, your website and the profile and they're thinking like, yo, here's this, you know, rich, mm -hmm. you know, white male mm -hmm. who grew up, you know, with every privilege in the world. Yeah. So, yeah, it's easy for you to say, Sure. You know, you could do X, Y, and Z. Demystify that, you yeah. know, for those who think that you just, you know, you just woke up sure. at the top. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, when I was five, I was raped by another man. Uh, when when uh, I was eight, my brother went to prison for four years, four and a half years for doing drugs. Uh, you know, there was no chemistry with my parents growing up. So it was constant screaming every night in the other rooms. Uh, and we didn't have money. So for me, there wasn't really this like healthy environment growing up. And of course I was in a, you know, middle-class suburban white neighborhood mostly. And, uh, you know, so I had that, but like my inner absolutely. ghetto yeah. was taking yeah, over, absolutely. right? Whatever yeah. it is, you absolutely. know, I, I may look a certain way, yeah. but like we all have inner yeah. battles yeah. that we go through, no matter if we're born with a lot of wealth, some of those people are the most unhappy people. So I think, um, 
you know, I always knew that I wanted something better for myself, that I wanted to achieve greatness in my own way, and I wanted to leave a mark, and I wanted to inspire others through my transformation. And it's a constant transformation. It's not like I've arrived now, and now it's like I know everything. The reason I do this podcast is for selfish reasons, so that I can continue to learn. Absolutely. It's not just like, here, you can have the information yeah. too, world. Yeah. It's for me to like, what am I missing? Where's my gaps? What can I pick up from you, your energy, your one thing that you say might be able to connect with me and be like, oh man, that's the next thing for me. So for me, um, yeah, that's. Yeah, so, so if you could, um, and I know this might be a challenge, but like if you could, because to me, I feel like this is a soft generation in some regards. You know, they want everything handed to them. They don't want to work for certain things. So if, if you could vent, if you will, sure. to those entrepreneurs who feel like, <laughs> you know, why do I have to go through this? Why I got to do this? You know what I'm saying? Like those who think that it's easy, what would be one or two things as you're venting that you would say to that entrepreneur, mm. you know, who it could possibly be at the brink of getting to the next level, but that victim's mentality mm, yeah. is stopping him or her from going to that next level. Yeah, I mean, it's, it came down for me to being responsible for everything and taking responsibility for every dream I have, for every action I take, for every mistake I make, taking full ownership in everything that happens to me, around me, the friends, everything in my life. And when I decided to take ownership as opposed to start blaming other people of what they did wrong or why it didn't work out for me, that's when everything started to shift as well internally. And I was still achieving a lot of results in sports. You know, I was all American in two different sports, played professional football, didn't make the NFL, built a million dollar company within the first couple of years of business. But I was taking ownership and achieving, but inner battles were like taking over still. I was still, something wasn't there. Like something I wanted was not fulfilled. And it's because I had, uh, you know, I was still a victim in other ways. And what I would say for people is that a lot of people don't want it bad enough and they aren't willing to sacrifice to experience pain every single day. For me, I try to do something that is painful every single day to build up my pain threshold. And football and sports is a great experience Absolutely. of that because Absolutely. every day for two and a half hours, you're putting on the pads, you're getting beat up. It sucks. You know, there's pain. I'd rather be sitting on the couch watching a movie, right. but it's painful and that's what's going to get me to my goal. Yeah. And I think people aren't a able or not willing to experience pain. I'm not talking about suffering. I'm talking about pain. And I think the more pain we can go through and continue to push through and do something every day, whether it's a workout every day, you know, that's painful. You push yourself to the limit. People aren't willing to experience pain and there's never going to be pleasure without pain um, if you're not willing to do the work. And I don't think you have to experience it forever. Right, Once right, right, you right. build up the momentum and you've got leverage, yeah. you can just push buttons, make a phone call and you get the deals done. But people aren't willing to do the work and do the pain and feel it enough in order to achieve what they want. All right. So last question. Ready? All right. So I'm just going, we're just going to go rapid. All right. We're going to wrap it. And you just tell me first thing comes to mind. All right. Yeah. So, so when you hear the word greatness, what comes to mind? Mm. Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice. All right. When you think of excuses, what comes to mind? Oh, so the first thing that came to mind was, uh, this is tough. I don't even know if I should say this, but my sister years ago. Okay. <laughs> no, we won't go into detail. Right? We won't go into detail. Um, um, as bad as you want to breathe. When I think of that, the first thing that comes to mind, I think about your speech. I think about, I think about, um, I think about doing whatever it takes. I think about no excuses. Uh, no matter where you need to go, how you need to go, you'll do whatever it takes. Mm -hmm. 
um, barriers, obstacles. I think about bullies and I think about limiting beliefs that the media and friends pressure us to believe that hold us back from our greatness. Mm. Um, when you think about faith and possibility. Mm. I think about grace. I think about trusting our inner wisdom, listening to our intuition and trusting um, the greater power in the universe. Mm. Uh, when you think about 2015. Man, I think about number one New York Times bestselling author. I think about unlimited possibilities. I think about uh, hitting a million people a month on this podcast. I think about uh, stepping up in ways I've never stepped up before. And finally, for all of us, you know, death is inevitable. And so when that time comes for us, uh, what do you want people to say about you? Mm, that I had such a big heart and that I cared so deeply about people and that I always wanted to make a difference in their lives and let them know how much they matter in the world. There you have it, people. School of Greatness. You heard it yourself, right? <laughs> I appreciate School it. School of Greatness. All right, there you go. How'd you guys like that interview? Hopefully you got something out of that, learned a few things. Uh, if nothing else, you you heard someone else's struggle and successes, and, and maybe you can uh, do something with that information. Uh, but about now, episode number two is almost in the books. There is no new hack to learn this week. We are still trying to emphasize the importance of keeping your mind healthy uh, with audio. So keep listening and good things will soon come your way. Okay, the only real homework assignment is guess what? The same as it was in episode one. Uh, do a very brutal, honest evaluation of where you stand on the five F's. Uh, fitness, finances, family, friends, and faith. Um, and this evaluation will come in handy uh, as we go on to episode number three. All right, guys. Uh, see you next time. Thanks for listening. We hope you found a few nuggets of wisdom that you can apply to your life. Until next time, take action. Keep hacking and stacking your way to success.